first! Over the line! What we've got here is failure to communicate. I want winners. I call that bold talk for a one-eyed fat man. And here are your hosts, RJ Young and Brandon Drum. So for once, we're able to do this in a very short amount of time. I feel like we put up a podcast on Thursday. Now we're back recording this on a Monday evening. I'm RJ Young. That's Brandon Drum. We're going to talk a little recruiting. We're going to talk a little beat writers meeting with Lincoln and talking about Caleb Kelly, Jalen Hurts, Jalen Redmond. But yo, Brandon, you want to start with the eyes or what do you want to do, dog? Oh, we can start with whatever you want to start with. Um, obviously, it's been a busy week couple of weeks with a what, three eyes dropped in the past week and a half 10 days so uh, there's a lot going on with recruiting uh the latest eyes they're big in regards to the university of oklahoma and just what it means for ou i guess um it's going to be a big deal when this person announces uh this person is a guy that is gonna is highly ranked and will continue to be highly ranked. Uh, so it's a big deal. I don't really want to go too much into that, other than say it's an offensive guy, 2020, like I said on the board. But I continually say on the board, everybody's gonna be happy about this one, and I think it's a, uh, it's it's one that I it blew me away that it happened. I mean, just. Just because of the sheer timing of it all, like I did not expect a decision made at this point in time, so it, it's it's crazy. It came out of left field for, in that aspect. Well, I mean, I think everybody's going to be in for some good news, man. I yeah. mean, among other things, and it's as good as things are going for the state of Oklahoma. Really, we're talking about uh, OU softball, Oklahoma State softball, uh, OU men's golf. Won a national title. Well, I say Matt Wolf won a national title tonight. Um, earned the Cowboys number one seed going into match play for the team title. So, I, I mean, that's cool. But you also, you got you got nonsense going on in Texas. And I oh think I think we're all fans of nonsense going on in Texas. So, for those of you that live under that particular rock, uh, five-star wide receiver in the 2019 class, Brew McCoy, uh, Apparently wants to leave University of Texas, go back to USC. Now, backstory on that is the dude went to the All-America game. He pulled USC out, committed, signed to USC, enrolled, attended one class, decided, I want out. We all thought, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, hardship waiver, what have you. He ends up at Texas. And what's really going to chap most people's behinds is that his five-star ranking and rating went into Texas' 2019 ranking for the class. So they leapfrogged a bunch of people, including Oklahoma. And I think the way that this is structured, if he ends up at USC, and it sounds like he will after a semester of being in Austin, they're not going to change the rankings because he would be a no. transfer. He would not be an enrollee. Yeah, that's exactly how it'll be. And it kind of sucks for OU as far as if you're really big into those recruiting rankings and you want to see that kind of stuff, uh, you want to see your recruit, Nick, and you want to see OU be you know, ahead of Texas and when the recruiting rankings comes out, uh, that, that hurts because ultimately he is really not a part of that, you know, that class 
Yeah, I mean, he's you, you can't spend three months on campus and go, you know what, I'm a part of a class. You're not, man. Like, you're going to be a part of another another program's class because you're going to spend way more time with those guys than you are with the guys you, you know, previously were with. And the funny part is, is that, like you said, he was at USC, decided he didn't like it going to Texas, now he's going back. And, I mean, here's how crazy this thing has gotten with him. I, I got a call today. And was like, man, look, this is what I heard. I heard, and this is from a person that would actually be a good source. Um, he's a good source all the time. Uh, but I think this one, I don't know if he was being tongue-in-cheek, but it was kind of serious talks. Like, yeah, I heard he's like, he can't leave. Screwy stuff, man. Um, but I don't think that's the, the case because I also talked to some other people that said that, look, I didn't know him, and he's been unhappy for the last, I guess, two months there. He was cool with it the first month, but I guess the last two months, just really unhappy there. And I don't know if it has to do with playing time. I don't know what it is, but he was ready to leave. And I, I think him coming back during uh, the summer break for the couple of weeks that they're going to be back in California, or everybody's going to be back until you know June 2nd when basically every college football program reports back to for their summer workouts and their summer classes. Um, he decided to use that as a chance to uh, not have to deal with it face-to-face and announce his transfer thousands of miles away from Tom Herman. Well, and I, I think, think it's kind of humorous. No, it's, it's, it's extremely humorous. It is. It's uh, but, but it's also, look, this is a time that is traditionally used for coaches to go on vacation. Like you yep. end the evaluation period and you get maybe a couple of weeks before you start doing camps, and you Herman's go spend. Herman's flying up there, huh? So Herman's flying up there here in the next day. He, or so. he better. I mean, that's that's a five star guy, and also just the look that this would have for the University of Texas football. I cannot understand. I mean, this is not just the OU bent in this. This is period. This is a bad look. This is this is a horrible look for a dude to spend one semester in Austin. And, okay, yeah, maybe it's that you can't push through the waiver request, which would be its own kind of egg because Tate Martell got his waiver. Justin Fields got his waiver. You know, I mean, we can keep going. Feels he like he got a waiver, basically, when he showed up and left. They, they let it go. Right. So, I mean. Are they going to do it twice? No. And that's kind of the other part, right? He would rather sit out a year and be at USC than play at Texas? Yeah, with his boy Bryce Young, so he'll be a freshman with Bryce. So that makes sense, kind of. Right? Yeah, he'd be, he'd be a redshirt freshman. Bryce would be a true freshman. Yep. But so in a way, it J T Barrett, J no, J T Barrett, uh, J T Daniels would still be the starting quarterback for oh, my yeah, money for one more year, two yeah. more years. I don't know if he's even going to be. I think he's a four year four year guy. I don't see him. Right Which now. is strange because he reclassified to get to USC, man. Yeah, but when you're that young, I mean. That's why I think he's a four-year guy because, in essence, as a senior, he's really a junior when it comes to his age. Right. So, I mean, he physically maturing, I think that's probably the better way of doing things. He probably should have redshirted, but they really needed him last year. They're not winning eight games, nine games, whatever they won last year. Five. They don't have – okay, they're, they're not winning <laughs> to five. five and seven last year, dog. Yeah, they're not winning five games then without him at quarterback. I mean, that's how desperate they yeah, were. Yeah, but – 
that also, they showed promise. If nothing else, Clancy Pendergrass and that defense, I feel like this has turned into a USC podcast. <laughs> they, they, they were able to play with Notre Dame, and I would have said they should have beat that Notre Dame team. And we ended yeah, up they with, were really well. I thought they were going to. Right. And, and, you know, and that Notre Dame team didn't just have Ian Book at quarterback or Jerry Tillery at defensive tackle, who, by the way, was a first-round draft pick, but Julian Love out at corner, and they were pretty good. Anyway, point there that I'm making is as good as things – have gone for Oklahoma. It seems like they've gone just as, that poorly at Oklahoma State. But that said, you know, uh, can Oklahoma take advantage of these opportunities? Because you got the win in Jalen Hurts, but you also, we know, you have Derek Green, who's going to Vanderbilt. You got Ron Tatum, who's still in the portal. Jalen Robinson, who's still in the portal. Daly, who's still in the portal. Uh, not, is Tyrese Lott, who's just left the team. Don't even know if that dude's going to play football next year. No, nah, he's got a kid. He uh, that, that was a, he went, he'd love to take care of his kid. There you go. There you yeah. go. So, I mean, all of these things come into, into, into play. But getting back to Oklahoma and the eyes, I think we got is it five unaccounted for. I, I want to I add one more thing to that, though, before we move on. Okay. Look, the long-term effects for this is, is huge for Texas. Because they were really starting to make inroads in, in California, uh, just kind of like Oklahoma, where they were just you know kind of being able to recruit some guys and get guys on the West Coast, whether it's Arizona, California, those type of those type of states to actually take a look at Texas and say, hey, we kind of want to go there. They back in Mac Brown's early years and uh, what was it, John McKay? Back then, they were able to go to California and really get guys. I mean, Ricky Williams players like that to come there and, and star. Now John McKay was gone. When Ricky Williams was there, he was there, though, in 96. Yeah, but John, John, John McKay's was, son might have been there. Who was No, who was the co- the coach in 96? Oh, man, I don't know. John something or something. I, I don't know. So does the M. Well, you I'm might sure. be. I think, it, I think it was his kid because I'm thinking it because if you're thinking about student body left, student body right, I don't. No, I, now I'm. Now I'm Really, really. I'm sorry. I'm taking you completely off your point, though. That's my bad. Yeah, go ahead. Look that up while I'm talking, will you? So we, <laughs> so we fact check this. Okay. Um, but yeah, so they were able to get guys back then, right? So they were they were kind of trending back to that effect. You you lose a guy because they don't like Tom Herman and they don't like the situation at Texas, especially at a school from modern day and a kid that is that high profile like Abram McCoy. You are almost ruining every chance you have in California. It's going to take some work from Tom Herman and his and his staff to be able to really right whatever has gone wrong in that situation with not just you know not just modern day, but the whole state just because of who Brew McCoy is and and the people that are around him that not only look up to him but that are friends with him. And there's other huge star players that are looking there going. I don't know if I really want to because they didn't like it there. They didn't get along with Tom Herman. Why? Why do? You, why would I? You know. So the long term effects of this could be really detrimental to to Texas in recruiting in the long term. Okay, so like John McKay was 1960, 1975. Uh, Paul, okay, so I'm way. Yeah, Paul there. Hackett was the head coach beginning '98, and that was the last guy before Pete Carroll took the job. No, I'm talking about at Texas. Oh, at Texas is Mac Brown. Yeah. Yeah, 96, though. Oh, man, I want to say. 
See, I looked up USC. Is it John Malkovich? Not Malkovich. Hey, the, you know this is uh, this is the OU Insider Podcast, Young and Drunk. Yeah, but where I mean, we, I want to know where we look up, this. where where we use the the there interwebs. Is books. I remember the sports animal when I was a kid with uh, Mike Stilley with no books. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Oh, so to your point though. Right, they were making. Have we figured it out yet? No, <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to stall. Fred Akers was 81. Yeah, I know that Fred was Akers, championship. Yeah. Uh, Lee, I feel like I should be reciting my ABCs right now because I'm looking and I'm going. Who was before Mac Brown? That's horrible that I don't know that. And again, you know, I'm not watching Texas football. Not like that. Let's see, Texas Longhorns football, 1995. I got it. Okay. Pulling up right now. John Makovich. I was right. John Makovich. John John Makovich. <laughs> I knew who I was trying to say. Good grief. All right. Well, now that we got that trivia where they were 10-2-1 and one in the Southwest Conference, that's not bad. Ended up number 14. In 96, they were 8-5 and five and 6-2 and two in the Big 12. Mm. And you know who their first loss of the Big 12 was? Is it Oklahoma? 1-4, Oklahoma, James Allen. With like two minutes left to go in the game. Maybe not even that much. I don't think it was that much. No, it was overtime. It was overtime. I feel like we spent more time talking about USC and Texas than we have OU. But well, we were talking about OU now. Okay. James, James Allen, that was the Jarius Jackson ran back, I think, two punt returns maybe, one or two. can't remember. And just when they hit uh, Jerry, uh, Jarius Jackson, was that his name? Jarius Jackson or JJ? I can't remember. It was JJ. He wore number 19. Uh, in the corner of the end zone, and like their first score, uh, it was a big game. Uh, they fumbled the ball. Uh, Priest Holmes fumbled the ball. I know you took it, and man, that was that was a good game. Uh, I think they're showing ESPN Classic today. If I saw Twitter right, so it's kind of funny we're talking about it. But um, yeah, that they they were in. He started the California trend. I trying to say I don't think so. Okay, so like. I don't think you're. I'm not. I'm not arguing with you being right or wrong on that. I am saying that it has been wildly entertaining to watch modern day St. John Bosco kids kind of wreck or make better or make wildly entertaining, no matter who you are. 2019 and 2020 recruiting because the top quarterback in the 2020 class came out of St. John Bosco. We got Chris Steele saying, "Get me out of Florida, send me to Oregon." We got. Bryce Young staying committed to USC, keeping his head down, but still managing to you know be a name that we talk about because he's the only guy that Lincoln yeah, Riley talks OU every day, right? And yeah. and came out and out and was like, I want that kid, and that and you got Jeremiah Cordell, who everybody thought was going to end up at Oregon, and he's going to be on campus next year at Oklahoma or not next week, not next year, excuse me, next week at Oklahoma. You got Darian Green Warren, who was committed to Oklahoma, uh, and now was being heavily recruited by Georgia, Florida, what have you. I mean, I'm just Elias Ricks at LSU. The St. John Bosco and modern day kids, I I enjoy the hell out of them. I just do. Because they're like, nope, this is personalities, this is, man. Right. And and they are yep. taking advantage of what is modern college football where it's like, no, I'm going to say I don't want to be here anymore. Get me out. And because I am a five-star kid, because I am the best at my position in my class, you're going to let me do as I please. Whereas we got another 415, 420 kids still in the transport portal that we don't know where they're going to get up because 
the bargaining power is just not there for a guy like uh, Cage Kai Daly who didn't play a game at OU. You know, I mean, it's just this yeah. is wild interesting because we're getting to see if you're good, you're always going to be in demand. If you're not, you're not, and so forth and so on. So I've always looked at this and I said, yeah, the kids are becoming adults really quickly. Good. Yeah, the, the with your daily, I mean, I went by Riviera um, and so I guess it's called Sunset High School or something like that. It's, man, that thing's a dump. So, I mean, it's it's in a really nice area, but, like, their football program is not taken very good care of. The school's nice, but their football program is not. Um, he was one of the few bright spots of that program. They didn't win very many games. He comes to Oklahoma really kind of out of place from the start and never really got, you know, his feet on the ground, if you will, in the program. And it felt like he was always, you know, in an uphill battle, especially with the coaching change. I don't know that he fits what really Grinch is looking for in his rush edge, rush edge uh, backer. So um, it's it, it, it's good that he's looking to leave. I really hope that he finds a good spot. I really hope a program like, you know, uh, Florida Atlantic would be a good spot for him. I think he would fit in well there. Uh, something like that, because I think he has that type of talent. Well, and I, I like from all of them, I hope the best, but I'm also just pointing out the obvious downside of this that people don't yeah. want to really point to. They want to say that kids are just coming and going as they please without any consequences. Consequences nope. are you don't have a scholarship and you're going, you're, you could be stuck at home next year. Yep. You know, like, so I don't could be buy a that. walk-on somewhere at some point. Right. I mean, you could do the DeAndre Francois. That's a wild story. Walking on as a graduate transfer to Florida Atlantic. Of all places, right? No, nah, I mean, it makes sense. But, like, as a yep. walk-on grad the student. Those are the other misfits are there, too. Why no, but, but just, just that part. Just the walk-on grad student part is wild to me. Because when we've ever, have we ever heard of a walk-on grad student? Uh, he's going to start, obviously. I think he would beat out Chris Roberson, right? Oh, man. I... I'm starting to think all you have to do is just wait for Chris Robinson to do something stupid. You don't actually I mean, have to beat him out. You just have to convince he, him to go be a Neanderthal. Females are a downfall of that kid, and they have been from day one. Nah, but, but even so, you know, it's like, come on, man. I don't need to help Chris Robinson not start. He's going to do that all by himself. That's true. You know, so I, Carpe but, diem, baby. Carpe diem on the bicep. Oh, my God. Get it going. Riff raff. Seize the day. Doogie he's Howser. Doing the, he, he's doing the exact opposite. Hey, man, don't hate on Doogie. <laughs> don't hate. Barney and Doogie are fantastic characters. No Patrick Harris is a, that dude's a, that's a bad dude right there. Oh, my God. He's one of my favorite, he's one of my favorite actors just because of the two characters that he's played. Uh, you know what? I'm a huge How I Met Your Mother. I don't need to meet your mother. How about, how about that? Oh, there we go. How about that? She's a nice lady. I don't. I don't need to see the Thirty Rock either. I'm good. Dorothy Mantooth is a saint. Uh, yeah. Look, you can keep Liz Lemon. Uh, you you can keep Big Bang Theory. All these garbage shows. Y'all can keep. Oh them. my gosh! Fight you me. Are, you are, dude. For somebody that's as nerdy as you, Big Bang Theory should be right up your alley. I can't do sitcoms. They're for twelve year olds. They're literally for twelve year olds. That's who the audience is. Oh. I can't. I just want to jump through the computer right now. I mean, look, I just, 
I can't do it. I'm a smart human being. So am I, and I freaking find it funny to lose my mind on stuff like that. So you don't like the Goldbergs or anything like that? The, why would I like it? <sighs> why would you like the 80s? No, it's, is like it the 80s family? or is it the 70s? Which is it? It's the 80s. It's literally them growing up in the 80s. He takes home videos of his... I tell you what, I tell you what, I tell you what. You watch the Goldbergs, and I'm going to watch Good Times. Okay? Watch what? Good Times. Oh, my God. Okay, you watch so the you watch the Goldbergs. Literally gonna watch an '80s sitcom. There you go, Ex there, there you go, right there, bang, sixty ounces. That's cool. I mean, you know, you don't like sitcoms. Do you like '80s sitcoms? Hey man, if you watch the Goldbergs. I'm gonna go watch. Uh, I don't. No, nah, I'm not gonna watch White Shadow. That's not even a good joke. I can't even. I can't stand that show either. <laughs> Night Rider. You gonna go watch Night Rider too? Hey man. That was good. Hey, I can't hate on that. I was about to say, Kit, give, give me Kit in a in a moment. <laughs> I, I will roll that out. You know. Oh yeah. But also, I'm here for the cars. I'm here for the cars. I said I'm here for the cars. Oh yeah, but I was a Miami Vice fan too. I was like huge into Don Johnson in the white suit. Oh my God, yes. Oh man. Say by the Bell back in the day. Come on now. Uh, no. Come on. Nah, man. I'm 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 watching Mork and Mindy. I'm watching oh, Mary and Tyler Moore show. Yeah, but I mean that was that was that was Nick at night. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. Like I can like I can do Clarissa explains it all, and that's about it. No, I can do did you, did I can do all Night that. Court? I can did do you all watch that. Night Court? No, I didn't watch Night Court. No, that's a that's a sitcom. I know, I know. But John Lickgaard. I I know. I didn't watch it. I watched Mary with Children because I think it came on at the same time. Oh, Mary with Children was good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm here for Al and and Peg. Okay, we've totally digressed here. I, uh, like, like, like we care. It's the summer. Okay, look. I know. It's true. So we were talking about how the modern-day kids in St. John Bosco's of the world are kind of running, recruiting right now just by making moves. I thought it was interesting to think about making a move for another player at OU because the news that came out of uh, the beat writer conference that you had with Lincoln and whatnot was Jalen Redman is full go for the summer. Now, I didn't want to unpack this in a story on Insider or even on a video on the channel because I'm also looking at that going, what does it mean to be full go for eight hours once a week? You know, you get eight hours in a week. Well, I mean, I, they, not, that's not even counting the, the summer workouts. I mean, well, that, that, no. That's on top of the summer workouts. No, I was about to say, right? In the summer workouts, you got to be careful about what you say and who you say that to. But even so, my point was, why not move that dude to defensive tackle? He's enormous already. He's bigger than anybody else you want to run out there. How big do you think he is right now? He's listed at 270, which makes I mean, him the same size as Marcus Hicks, which is the dude that you know they're going to move inside. Yeah. So why not move Jalen Redmond inside? I think Marcus Hicks is coming in at 270. He's going to come out 285. Well, I mean, and if Jalen Redmond came in at what? 240? Can't hold 285 healthy. I don't think that's. Yeah, but uh, but I'm also saying that like this is a guy that made the best of a six foot two, 255 pound three technique that also played one technique. You know, if it's the Jaylen speed. Redmond? No, uh, Hercules Mataafa. Talk about oh, okay. Grinch and his system. Yeah, I'm talking yeah, about how Jalen Redmond. No, I got you. I got you. Yeah, but I I and and it makes sense to me, and that and I have I wrote about it, and I got into this about how you basically got. Six rush ins 
and you're not going to be able to play six rush ends. And the likelihood I think, of I think they're going to do some things, but here's what when they do do that, when they do move him inside, I think it's going to be they had this thing at Ohio State. They called like the I can't remember what they called it. It was their third down pass situation uh, line, um, and it was nothing but pass rushers. So they have their biggest pass rushers, guys that were like 270, 275, 280, that are normally you know your your defensive ends, and they scoot them down to like a three tech, um, and then they would have you know the two fastest rush edge guys they could possibly have coming off the edge. And I think you could see something something like that. I'm trying to remember what they called it. Uh, it was something like uh, Lamborghini or something. I don't something s- stupid. But it, it, it basically was them making their best pass rushers, getting their four best guys out there, biggest guys inside, quickest guys, quicker big guys on the outside, and then obviously you keep your same rush backer, everybody else kind of the same. And just go get it. And, you know, Ohio State wreaked havoc doing that for years. Uh, and I think they want to continue to do that. Uh, I think Grinch probably will do something like that because there are a bunch of dudes that can rush the passer uh, that are quicker. And I think Neville Gallimore, being a 4-7 guy, you got to keep him on the field at all times, right? At least most of the time. You don't want to wear him out. But he's he has potential to be good. And he should be good. Like, literally, this fits his skill set. You know, catching blockers did not. Catching I, blockers no doesn't fit anybody's skill set, and that was kind of the point. Yeah, but I, mean, I, 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 I take your I take your point about the lightning package. I get that. I understand that, but it's a package, and I think yeah, that Jalen Redmond could be an every down inside defensive lineman. Could he, could he take Kenneth Mann's spot? Could he be that good? That no, I think Kenneth Mann keeps the strong side defensive end spot. I really want to see Jalen so Redmond. it's got to be between Ronnie Perkins and him on the other side. No, because I think that you're going to have four dudes. I think that you're going to see some... Then you would have to have Redmond stand up because Perkins is going to have his hand in the dirt. No, because I don't think that Neville Gallimore is going to play as many snaps as you think he's going to play. And no, I also I think... I think so, but they need rotation, but yeah. I, I get that, but... Right, and, and you are really thin rotating the defensive line right now. You're talking about Q Overton, and you're talking about Dilafal Matau, and Troy James. And probably Marcus. Hicks or Corey Roberson, yeah. maybe. But I if you're... Corey, I, am, I am so high on Roberson, man. I think that guy's going to be a starting I got to see him move after the injury. I just do. Okay. Yeah, I, but, I think that's fair, I, too. I'm going off prior injury, obviously, and what I'm, what I'm talking about. But And you know damn well that... Georgia and Alabama aren't coming to Texas, and LSU aren't going to Manville and offering that kid if they don't see a future star in him. I mean, they know how to scout defensive linemen. Those three programs have put out so many good defensive linemen. They know what they're doing, and for Oklahoma to beat them out and keep him when all that stuff started to happen, I mean, that's a testament to Riley and obviously the Well, also, cool. Tell me about tell Neville Gallimore and what he was supposed to be at Oklahoma. Yeah, same that's the same thing. He got the same offers. Wasted. We just we disagreed he was wasted for Well, and and I'm also I look, I'm saying that I'm not going to I'm not going to tell you right now that true freshmen coming in, in the summer are going to be your third guys in the rotation. I also no. know that we all saw Jalen Redmond play last year, and we all know that you want to have him and Ronnie Perkins on the field if you can. Yeah, he was so good when he was out there just right? for that short period of time. And, and also, because you're so deep at the rush-in position, maybe you want to move them both inside. 
You know what? Because you have these guys out there that can do the job. I mean, we're talking about Mark Jackson not being able to get on the field. You know, yeah, we're t- I, I feel bad for him because he was so highly touted. Right. And, but also, he's still very good. He's just not Jalen Redmond or Ronnie Perkins. And that's not a yeah, sin. I mean, you're talking about elite guys that were. I mean, Redmond got a. He got a fifth star, and he only played two years of football. Like I said, I mean, I still think that if the dude moved inside, you're talking about him in the way that you talk about Ed Oliver. Because people were always talking about Ed fair. Oliver. That's fair. No, that's fair. So that's I, fair. I, I just, and I also think that. Kenneth Mann's last year is this year, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's a captain. That dude's going to play. And that dude's just – I got tremendous respect for his come I do up. too. I think he's good too. I think he's and, good. And he made – you talk about a dude that was a three-star coming out, didn't do much, was noted as a pass rusher. They said get better at stopping the run. He got better at stopping the run. He gets the strip that gets the fumble for the scoop in, uh, against West Virginia. Yep. You know, so I mean yep. – but I also know that you need depth behind him, and I get all of that. He, but as much as also, we spend talking about defensive tackles and how much we need to see them at Oklahoma, Jalen Redman is looking at you in the face at 270. And you're telling me that I would I would put it this way. I have more faith in Jalen Redman holding 280 than I do in Neville Gallimore staying under 300. Oh, they they don't I don't think they care. I think they like Neville at 305. Maybe, so I think but he but he was listed at two ninety five in the spring, which tells me exactly where they want him. Yeah, but they want him down. They want him because they they know they're gonna bulk him up during the right. So if you got if you got Jalen Redman at two sixty five, and you ask him to play three technique one two technique, do you think that's a bad thing? Based on the Hercules Mata off of two fifty five at six two, and was an All American. I I don't. I'm trying to. I mean, I don't – just because I want to see Redmond go to the NFL, and I think that would hurt his uh, draft stock. Tacklewood? At 265, yes. I don't know, man. Because All right. Well, I mean, I get your point there. I do. I also think that you can look at him and easily say, hey, we're, we're just going to move you out there like Jadavion Clowney and have you play a, a, a wide seven as an outside linebacker. That's I, I I can see them doing that, but I don't necessarily think that he has to do that in college for him to project at that position in the NFL. I, I guess yeah. I mean that's true, um, but he's got to be able to show that he can come off the edge and dip and use his hips the way you're supposed to. Right. So um, I I think I think using him I I agree you can use him outside, but I think you could rotate him like say he could he could be your stand up breast edge at a a big stand up breast edge um, or a or put your hand in the dirt, you know, and stick Ronnie Perkins as your rush, rush edge uh, type guy, or slide him down whenever you need depth in that situation, or it's a pass rush, or or just kind of screw with people and kind of flip guys because it. I think when you have guys under two hundred under three hundred pounds, um, you're able to be a lot more versatile in how you line up. So you could have a guy line up inside one time and then outside the next because. They're they're able to do that with their weight and obviously with you know their skill set and being pass rushers, you should be able to do that. I think I think all defensive linemen, especially if you're trying to be a quote quote speed D, that's kind of what you want to do, right? I mean, you want to have guys that can do a variety of things and not have to worry about man, well we're injured here. Okay, well we can just slide this guy out or this guy in, and we'll be good because they know all these positions. You know what I mean? 
Right, and I and I, I take all that into account, and I really think that you could go either way. And I think a lot of folks would say, hey, you guys are being remiss in that we would just want Jalen Redmond healthy for an entire year. We don't care what position that he plays. That is 100% fact. I mean, you want him to be able to hold up. You don't want any more blood clots. You want him to be healthy because he has the, the potential to be a day one, day two type guy in the NFL, and you want him to live up to the hype and that potential because he deserves it. He's been through a lot. Uh, and you want nothing but the best for that kid. Another guy that deserved and been through a lot, Caleb Kelly. Uh, Lincoln spoke about Absolutely. him saying, hey, he's progressing on, from his undisclosed leg injury that I think perhaps might be a torn ACL. And if it is Not a torn ACL, we're talking about <laughs> six to nine months of rehab and maybe him being able to take advantage of the four-game redshirt rule, which means he would need a medical redshirt to play in 2020. But I'm looking at that guy. And I'm looking at the 2016 class, which was not highly touted, which was a down year, which showed a lot of, of why Bob knew what Bob knew, which was this was getting ready for him to be, it's time to go. But Caleb Kelly was the jewel of that 2016 class, and I'm looking at the guys in it, and I'm also looking at the guys that just got drafted. And I'm just going to throw these names at you right quick, so just bear with me. But 2016, you had Rashawn Gary, you had Dexter Lawrence, Greg Little, and Oliver, Nick Bosa, Miko Hardman, Isaac Nada, Mac Wilson, Jonah Williams, Jeffrey Simmons, Miles Sanders. All those dudes were ranked ahead of Caleb Kelly at number 24, but to get my point, and then you look at the 2016 class that OU brought in, and Caleb Kelly is the crown jewel of that class, followed by Jordan Parker, Amani Bledsoe, Austin Kendall, Mark Jackson, Michael Jones, Eric Swenson, Abdul Adams, Chance Sylvie, Ben Powers, John Michael Terry, Parnell Motley, and Logan Roberson. We know that only one of those guys has been drafted. Yep. And I and I would I think if Caleb Kelly is not able to come back from this, I mean he had the shoulder thing in 2018, had the blown ACL. It just feels wrong, and it feels like he never found a position at OU even as a as I'm a, a talent. Bledsoe though. Oh my God. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, he took a. He, he would have been drafted had he stayed one more year. We we think right, but I'm also yeah, especially I'm, in this off defense. Uh, you know, and God, he would have been so well, so needed I, on this team. He, he we, that I can agree with. I'm not so sure that he would have been drafted, man. I'm just not. That's, that's fair, but I, I feel like he would have been third day. I think he would have had sixth, seventh round. And obviously, we're not talking about, or I'm not talking about Jalen Redmond being moved to defensive tackle if you had another year of Monty Bledsoe. Yep. Right. So, like, I mean, I I get all of that, but also, I mean, of all the guys that I just listed in that 2016 class. Who are the ones that you expect to be drafted in 2020? I mean, you might be able to say Austin Kendall if he has a pretty decent year at West Virginia. Abdul Adams. Maybe. Probably. Yeah. Depends on what he looks like at Syracuse. Now, who are the other guys that you uh, named? Uh, ben Powers was drafted, but we also yeah. talked about John Michael Terry. What position does he play? I mean, I know he plays rush in Jack I linebacker, think he's but Jack backer. Yeah, but yeah, like he came in as an yeah. inside linebacker. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, who else? Have we heard of Logan Roberson since... Yeah, he left. He right, left. exactly. Uh, Mark Jackson's still there. And that's another guy that we're talking about getting buried on the depth chart. Uh, Michael Jones didn't play 2018, mostly because he's recovering from an injury. Yep. Uh, Jordan Parker, same deal. Yep. Uh, Eric Swenson might might be a breakout, right? We He yeah, might be the exactly. Cody, J, uh, Cody Ford of this, uh, of this team, but you're not going to bet on that, just like you weren't going to bet on Cody Ford last year this time. That's true. Um, 
who else we're looking at? We've mentioned Bledsoe. He signed an undrafted free agent. I hope that works out for him. Titans, right? Right. But uh, Parnell Motley? You think he gets drafted? He would need a breakout year. He would need to have like he seven picks. He would need picks. a huge year right yeah. now. No, absolutely He would not. need to be a, a Thorpe Award finalist. Yeah, he's got a lot of problems right now. Like as far as, I mean, I don't know that he starts this year. You know, that's not even a guarantee. So I can't really project him to be a draft pick if I don't even, not even sure if he starts or not. Uh, because I, I feel like he will, just because the other guys that are, you know, competing with him are going to be younger and new to the system. I mean, they're all new, but they didn't go through spring. They don't know it as well as they do. And obviously, Parnell being older and wiser, I guess, as far as being yeah. But more you, experience. you, you also hit on something that I, I've seen being much more of a trend in the NFL in in recent years, which is your age matters yeah. in a real way. You you being yeah. 20 or 21 coming out is way different than you being 23 yeah, or 24. Yeah, another year out of you. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, and also, you know, just I'm looking at the guys that are, the say, the top players in the NFL under 25. You're talking about Pat Mahomes. You're talking about Zeke Elliott. You're talking about Juju Smith-Schuster, who I don't even think turns 22 until, like, November. You're talking about Saquon Barkley. You're talking about Baker Mayfield. I think Parnell Motley would be 21, 22 this year. Yeah, I think 21. Yeah, which yeah. would basically make him a, a year or two younger than Baker. And Baker will have been in the league for two years. Yep. You know, uh, it, all this stuff matters. So we're talking about some of these guys coming out early. Not really. I mean, some of these dudes are redshirt sophomores. They're coming out as redshirt juniors. You know, we're talking about Neville Gallimore. He's a 2015 class dude, which is to say that he would need to have a phenomenal year to be the kind of guy that's taken in the first four rounds of the draft just because... He's been in school for five years, you know? And I'm thinking about just the way that recruiting works and the way the well, NFL I works. Mean, didn't Damian Williams, and he, and not Damian Williams, but uh, uh, Williams out of uh, uh, Alabama freak. I just went blank on his first name. Uh, uh, Damian Harris. No, the, the lineman. Jonah Williams? Oh, you're talking about Quentin Williams. Quentin Williams. Quentin Williams, yeah, defensive lineman. I'd say yeah, Jonah, Jonah Williams plays offensive tackle. Damian Williams played running back for Oklahoma. I don't right. even know why he said that. Um, yeah, he was a redshirt senior. So, uh, right? ne ne negative. Or was he a junior? Ne negative. Redshirt junior. I want to say. Was, I want to say that dude. He was a redshirt. I know that. I want to say. Yeah, but I would now. I got it now. Keep talking. I'm going to look this up. Because I'm pretty positive because he asked to move to defensive tackle. Right. I wrote about it. Uh, um, but I also think he was a red shirt. He might have been a red shirt junior. That's, uh, okay. So, I mean, basically, he's yeah, 20. I mean, he's 21. Okay, he turned so, 21 yeah, so he in December. in that category because he – so so there's a chance of Neville Gallimore getting – Yeah, he was a red – no, he was a red shirt. One year older. He's, a, he's 2015 class or – No, nah, he was a red shirt sophomore, dog, because he was 2016 class. Okay, 2016. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So, so he's a so year younger. He's than, a year younger than Neville. But I mean that. But he's only going to be a year. Neville's only going to the league one year later. I guess what we're trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, but also we're talking about wear and tear, right? Because that's true. Quentin Williams didn't play at all in 2016. I mean, but Neville didn't play a lot. Exactly, and that's the other. Like, I feel like I'm he building didn't play cases ag at all until last year. I feel like I'm building cases against these kids. But it's really that we just know so much about them. Yeah, he didn't play hardly at all. You know, and that's. So. I want to make that clear. We know so I, I much. I just feel like he has a chance. Just because. 
It, well, they all got a chance. You have a guy that runs a four seven at three hundred pounds. Well, I mean, they, well, now we're talking about O'Shane Zimenez. I love that dude coming out of Old Dominion. He fell to like the sixth round, and he's with the yeah, Old the Dominion's Giants. Not gonna. You're talking about a guy that's playing against Old Dominion talent and a guy that's playing against the talent that and the offensive lines that. Uh, uh, Gal Moore's playing against. There's a big difference. I, maybe, but I also... But they, but they take that into account. Wait, well, I was about to say, and I'm also looking at some of the guys that succeed in the NFL and where they come from. I mean, Aaron Donald came out of Pittsburgh. You know, like, who was Pittsburgh playing against? I mean, Aaron Donald? Yeah! I mean, dude, they were in the ACC. Yeah, who are they playing against? Would you Miami, say that Miami, right? Clemson. I'm, uh, you think State. you're acting like I'm, okay? I should make this clear. I'm not comparing Aaron Donald to O'Shane Zimenez. I'm comparing Aaron Donald to okay. Neville Gallimore. I was like, Whoa. No, I, was like, uh, I can see how you got your wires crossed <laughs> on that, and I switched gears without thinking about it. But I'm also fascinated with the idea that the defense could put somebody into the draft next year. Somebody. I think they could put more than somebody in the draft next well year. i mean i think i have a funny feeling that your kenneth murray will probably be gone see that's my guy that's my guy see you hit him mine too i've been i have been leading the charge for kenneth murray is actual awesome and there's too many people that just won't buy into it it's like no he's a chase tackler he had 155 chase tackles are you get really it's what you're gonna he can't fill he's playing in a three four He's a Jeremiah Trotter downhill kind of okay. I'm he's gonna be now. better. This this system will fit him much better. I mean, they even came out and said this year that he literally the words out of Lincoln Riley Lincoln Riley's mouth is Kenneth Murray is having the best spring of his career and it's not even close. And what did that dude do, dude last year? 155. I know. That's what I'm saying. Like, if, and Riley's not gonna come out and just say that. Usually Riley's like, yeah, they need some work, you know, blah, blah. He does. Riley doesn't sugarcoat things. He's going to tell you well, if a dude needs work, he needs work. And I also so, I found something interesting that he said as well in that hiring Grinch. I didn't want a guy that his system works and he's going to build toward his system. I wanted a guy who was enthusiastic about the roster that I have right now and thinks he can go yeah. and win with it today. And oh, I'm my going, God. The fist face whenever, whenever he answered that question was – when he said that, he goes, I can, he like, he lit up. He goes, I can promise you if a guy came in and told me whenever I get my guys in here, we're going to be good. He wouldn't be my, he wouldn't be my guy for very long. Like literally he was like saying, I'm going to fire that guy. If he's ever, if anybody ever says it to me and makes an excuse because I don't have excuses on my offense, he, and he, and he started to, he made an analogy. He said, look, when we came in, it was hard to recruit on the offensive side of the ball. People forget Three years ago, it was easy for Oklahoma to recruit defensive guys because they had really good defense. They were ranked in the top 20, 30 defenses in the country in 2013, 2014, 2015. You know, those are the, they were good on defense. And they, uh, they were recruiting guys, and it was easy for them to do that. And then he came in, he's like, dude, back then it was the defense was easy to recruit. Now... After I came in that first year, it was easy after our first year, but it was hard for us to get in the doors of the top guys. I was frustrated. Mm-hmm. Like that literally came mm-hmm. out of his mouth. Well, I think that Lincoln is uh would it would it WSA misremembering some stuff because the last time they were good on defense, they weren't good as a, yeah, they, the thirty eighth in the country. They weren't 
they weren't necessarily great as a football. Well, 2015, they were they made a college football playoff. But I'm thinking about that. What was the year? 2013, they were good. No, no I'm talking about the had. last, the, the year before Brent got, not fired, he, he left. But the year before Brent Venables left. 2011. Yeah, I want to say that year. Yeah, okay, cool. You got an argument. They were really good. Uh, they were good, but they, I mean, that's what I'm saying. They were, they, they, they. They were good. 2011, they were okay. 2012, 2013, they were really good again. And then 2014, they were okay. 2015, they were really good. And then from that point on, it would... <laughs> so, good God. All right, I mean, so... That, like, look, I mean, am, I, am I lying? Am no, I lying? but that, like, like, I think it's important just to talk about the numbers of this. So we talk about what's good and what's not. Uh, 2015, 11-2. Finished fifth in the AP. 8-1 in conference. Uh, Bob's... Last really superlative year as the head coach, right? You had your first year of Baker Mayfield had 3,700 yards passing, you know, and you had you still you had Trevor Knight and Cody Thomas backing him up, so there wasn't a whole lot if dude got hurt. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we can say that, but, but DK9 proved that he was a pretty decent quarterback. But I'm looking at the defense and I'm looking at what you had to start with, right? You got Dom Alexander who had 104 tackles, yes, yep, right? You had Jordan Evans who was also a godsend. Uh, Ahmad Thomas was still playing safety. He's playing linebacker in the NFL. Starting. Right. So, so is, so is uh, Jordan Evans. Right. Striker. Coming off the edge for seven sacks and 17 and a half for a loss. Tapper with the Cowboys. Yeah. Right. Uh, Parker at free safety. Frank Shannon still got, got run. Yeah, Parker's with the Rams. And that was that first year that, uh, that Jordan Thomas had five interceptions, but you also had Zach Sanchez had seven. Yep. You know, and I'm thinking about... Devontae Bond, my goodness, he got a second contract from uh, Tampa Bay. Yep. Uh, Charles Walker decided to come out after that year, having six I mean, sacks. You know, uh, Matt Diamond had the Matt Diamond experience in 2016. Um, off after walking out of Kansas. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, Atari Bird was still a hammer. Freaking Dakota Austin had two interceptions. Itty-bitty Dakota Austin. Matt Romar was still a monster. You know, DJ Ward was still on that squad. I just... I'm looking at it, and I'm looking at who were the youngsters. That was a talented, talented group. Yeah, but the youngsters were Opal or Wonkwo. Tay yeah. Evans. My God, I wish Tay could have kept playing. Uh, Marcus Green. There's a name you haven't heard in a while. PJ Ambanasaur. Q Overton was a kiddo. Bobby Evans was a kiddo. Daniel Brooks was still on that squad. Makaya Quick, I don't even think he had, Yeah, he still played defense back then. Fresno. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and look, you still had Stan Von Taylor. My God, Stan Von Taylor. Man, I had such hopes for that dude. Waste of talent should have been a slot the whole time. Friggin' Alex Ross was still returning kicks. And then you had the first year of Cybert being Cybert went seventy of seventy or seventy for seventy-two. You know, uh, had eighteen of twenty-three from field goal. I mean, just a great football team that we don't really talk about in the way that we we should. Honestly, that twenty fifteen. Yeah, team they were really good. They that that Clemson game. People forget they were winning uh, halftime. What was it, seventeen sixteen or something like that? And the wheels fell off because everybody started getting hurt in the right. third quarter. Well, <laughs> Samaje gets hurt, Mixon gets hurt, Mixon, both of them. Samaje's ankle, Mixon's uh, got a concussion, uh, Baker got a concussion. Uh, what else? Have, I mean, that thing fell off. I mean, literally the wheels fell off. Yeah, but it's also Walker got another concussion. Is is also a really good Clemson team, and they and, were really good. But and, OU was. I think that was the year. If OU was going to do it, that was the year they they could have beat them. And the wheels fell off in the third quarter, and I mean it was bad. Oh my it god, it was bad. Mark Andrews was a kiddo. 
19, 19 yep. catches that year. Had the same amount of catches as Jarvis Baxter. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we keep doing this, but I just, I'm just i looking at the interception numbers is what I wanted to look at because uh, I've got to give it up to Garen Emig on this because he was talking about, okay, so who got the turnovers and Grinch's turnover D? And it was the defensive backs with strips and yep. interceptions. So, And I'm looking at how do those things correlate to what Oklahoma was doing at one time. And you're looking at Dom Alexander had one. Ahmad Thomas had three. Stryker had one. Shannon had one. Jordan Thomas had five. Sanchez had seven. Dakota Austin had two. So you're talking about nine plus five is 14, 15, 16, 18, 19 interceptions. 19 interceptions. He had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven forced fumbles. So that's 26 turnovers. And that was a team that was balanced, we would say, right? Like defensively and offensively? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, is that what we're trying is that what Oklahoma could be in 2019? Balanced defensively and offensively. Uh, I feel like it could be I when I say balanced, we we got in this discussion last Thursday or Wednesday or whatever it was. I I feel like I feel like if Oklahoma is a top 50 to 70 defense, you're pretty happy this year. Uh, just because of what they put out last year. Now, would you like for them to be a top 30 to 40, 50? Yeah, that would be in a perfect world. If Oklahoma can be between 30 and 50, man, um, you're talking about domination with the offense that they're going to trot out. And ultimately, if you're going to have that type of defense, your offense isn't going to have to be as dynamic, obviously, because you're going to be able to control the ball, Control tempo, so your 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 numbers aren't going to be as uh, big as they have been the past couple of years with Oklahoma having to do that just to stay in the ball game and win. You know, so I, it's going to be different. I think it's the uh, watch the dynamics between the offense and the defense. If the defense really is causing turnovers and scoring points and doing things of that nature, and really giving the ball back to the offense and allowing them to be more ball control, I think you're going to see less big plays out of Riley's offense, but it's still going to be just as dynamic, but just in a different way. No, I, I, I think I would agree with that. I don't think I don't have any quarrel with that. Um, one of the things I did want to touch on before we get out of here is what Lincoln had to say about the quarterback competition. And, and I think everybody who's listened to this podcast, you and I would always say Jalen Hurts is starting quarterback against Houston on September 1st, 6.30 p.m. on ABC to open the season. But give it up to Lincoln, who continues to stir the drink of, you know what, we're going to get Spencer <laughs> caught up to speed real quick, and I expect somebody to come out ahead in the summer. And I'm like, yo, Spencer is still throwing footballs at the Adidas camps, dog. Like, what do you want? Lincoln, you going you gonna to pour your wisdom in there by osmosis? Like how you gonna yeah. how you gonna how you gonna get him there, Lincoln? Like I, I love the dude, I do, I love him, I absolutely love it. Spot that he does but, like coach speak, but right? he be talking that just junk, yeah, straight so junk. Yeah, I love the dude. I mean, Lincoln's really straight up. Like I said, ninety nine percent of the time, but when it comes to the quarterback position, eh, he likes to, you know, especially when it comes to battles. I mean. We were led to believe that this was a, such a stark battle. And I will say that I heard from multiple people last year that it was. I mean, the first week or two of fall camp, Kyler was just kind of up and down. 
and then kind of and then but they kind of just named him the starter because they saw the potential of him and knew that he had the pedigree and the talent to really take it to a different level once he is actually going to be getting more reps and, and more comfortable within the scheme and the offense. Uh, and not the scheme of the offense, but with the guys around him because it was a different different team, different unit, all that stuff as far as skill skill position players go. So he he did. Once they named him the starter, they said he just took off. And I feel like Lincoln's going to do the same thing, but ultimately he's going to name Jalen Hurts the starter, and you're going to see him really progress and get really strong in this offense going forward. But I expected the last maybe the first 10 days of fall camp – and then he'll name a starter. That'd be my guess. Ugh. But I, all along, we know who's going to be the starter. No, but like that's kind of the thing. Like That's why I'm like, I'm putting my hands over my face. I'm going, I don't see the good in this. I don't well, even... Because he has to protect no, himself. No, I don't even... Nope. What are you protecting? We're just talking about Brew McCoy transferring Dude, after a semester. Thing. If it's going to happen, it's going to happen. No, I'll tell you why. Because outside of Spencer Rattler, you want Tanner Mordecai sticking around. Um, before fall classes start, or he could just go. You know what? I'm going to transfer. Yes, and I'm just going. Okay. Why? Why? Why lie to the boy? Why? Why lie to the boy? And and that goes. We can actually, you know, we can actually transition into the Brock Vandergriff thing uh, with this, and why in the talking about quarterback depth. You know, oh, we talked about this last week. Uh, you know, just the the whole issue of why aren't they offering new guys in 2020 and lo and behold i talked to a couple people and brock vandegrift four-star uh quarterback out of the uh georgia state of georgia is going to come up for a second time in you know as many months and uh he is going to uh stick around oklahoma on his visit i guess it's going to be like june 7th or so somewhere around there I'll try to get a definitive date on it, but it's going to be around the camp time. He's going to spend two, three days at OU, and most people feel like OU is a major leader here. So that has a lot to do, I think, with uh, Oklahoma not offering a 2020 guy because they feel like they don't need to. Um, they feel like 2021 guys, and maybe they'll offer somebody later on. Hold up. Wait a minute. Some does sound right here. Tanner Schaefer could get a scholarship. Hold up. Wait a minute. Because I'm all on board for Tanner Schaefer getting a scholarship. right? Give Tanner Schaefer Derrick Green scholarship. Give him Ron Tatum scholarship. Give him Daly scholarship. Give him – heck, you didn't even have to bring A.D. Miller back if you, you could have gave up that. Look, all I'm saying here is unless Brock is going to reclassify to 2020, you need to offer a 2020 quarterback for the reasons that you just so – eloquently right, spoke about. I was about to say they could go Juco or somebody in state could pop up, Eli Williams, somebody like that. Eli Williams is at TCU. Not at He's, committed. Yeah, but I mean, if oh, you, you offered, think, I promise you, you that he'd flip. Yo, uh, and that's kind of, that's the other part about this, right? So like, I hate I this. I don't know that for sure. I'm no, I, I, I get it. No, it's, no, it's, a, it is a, it, no, it's a good educated guess, right? I mean, and that's part, part of what you and I do is we get a lot of information and we make really, really, really informed guesses, right? Well, the crystal balls, for instance, is one way of yeah. doing that, predictions. But what I'm saying about the whole Eli Williams aspect of it, and I can go back to Mason Fine in this point, because you're like, yo, Mason Fine's going to be available next year. Yet, yeah, next year, 
ne- next year. And I'm also not sure the dude just won't want to go to the NFL. Anyway, my point here is, if you think you can get Eli Williams, then go get Eli Williams. Because you not offering anybody else, especially not just in-state, but within the region, is just a bad look. Because as good as Oklahoma is, being the best at what you do isn't enough. People have to feel wanted. People have to feel needed. People need to see you hustling. And that gets back to OK Preps, right? But you just named something. You just said, look, if because Mason Fine's a senior this year, correct? Uh, to to my knowledge, I have to go now. You got yeah, see? and he but he would be he would have another year of eligibility, if I if I remember right, right? Because of grad transfer, right? If he redshirted, yeah, because you know you got four yeah, years to play five. Yeah, because he got injured. Yeah, so he could injured come back. So what if, what if, Oklahoma says, you know what, we're gonna get Brock Vandegrift, and then we're gonna take. Nah, he's nah. I don't think he's gonna be able to transfer, Doc, because he played 2016, 2017, 2018. He's gonna start here in twenty nineteen. So is yeah. he gonna is he going to because he just tore his ACL or something like oh, that? Oh, here recently, like in the last few I days. I did in the bowl game, did he not? Ooh, he did hurt himself. I remember that. Hold on, participate in team drills during spring practice and toss the touchdown to Rico Bussy. That's March 28, twenty nineteen. That's according to the Denton Record. Okay, Chronicle. so he's back. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, because yeah. I I knew it was a knee injury. I just wasn't for sure how how serious it yeah. was. Okay, so. But regardless, I mean, he could uh, something something else that they could go get a grad transfer, something to fill that gap for one year as far as depth goes. It doesn't have to be a guy that thinks going to come in the start, but just a guy that they want to come in and be, you know, depth. Just kind of. I get I learn. get that I get that, but I'm going the 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 longer you wait yeah, to do I, that. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I the, get what you're saying. The, I just I just don't agree with waiting to do that. I think having a QB in the boat in the summer. It's just what you should be doing. And because you're Oklahoma and you didn't get the guy that you wanted. I don't know if you remember this. Like, remember back when Justice Hansen was the big deal and like Justice oh, Hansen yeah. hadn't committed and it was like, if you don't have a QB by August, people are going to riot. And you end up getting Justice Hansen. That dude ends up at Arkansas State. Could be the yeah. same sort of deal. You know what I mean? 2014, baby. Right. It could be the same sort of deal, though. Yeah. The point is, no, you, got you still got to have one in the boat. That's true. So uh, I, I mean, feel like they, I feel like they will by. I, and also, I people like who continue, somebody. people who continue to say just trust Lincoln Riley, cool. I mean, I'll trust him to pick a quarterback. That's cool. But just saying, nah, whoever Lincoln Riley gets, it's gonna be great because he's Lincoln Riley. That ain't no, 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 no. Even the walk on at Oklahoma won state titles, plural. You know, like if that guy's here, that guy's enrolled, that guy's on campus, that guy's going through practice. Yeah. You know, as much as much shade as you want to throw at Tanner Schaefer. Dude can literally, legitimately, like, I would put Tanner Shaper up against Mason Fine. You know? Today, I talked about him today to a guy that knows football really, really well and said, look, whenever I watched Tanner Shaper and I had a feeling that Oklahoma was going to offer him a, uh, you know, preferred walk-on type deal, I was shocked when I watched this film and was like, how is no one offering this guy? Because he is good. Like when you watch him, you're like, dude, this guy can flat ball. Like I don't understand it. And Oklahoma got really, really lucky that nobody else wanted him because he's he's a potential. I mean, as far as third strings go, I don't know that you're going to get very many better, especially when it comes to walk-ons. Yeah, but that's also kind of the thing. They have to be walked on. <laughs> 
You know, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's my whole point. They have to be on campus. And you and I both, we've spent a lot of time talking about it. You got one legitimate offer out there, right, that, that still is uncommitted. That'd be Chandler Morris, Chad Morris's kid. Don't know how legitimate it is, but yeah. Well, I mean, it's an offer, and that kid's uncommitted. That's as far as we yeah, can take it. Yeah, but I, I, I think I, why, why isn't he committing to his dad? I don't know. Maybe because his dad wants to make sure that he's going to be there still next year would be my guess. Um, just because it's Arkansas, and they seem to be going through coaches like it's candy. Yeah, well, I mean, um, and, and I get all of that, and I get your point. Your point is well taken, but I'm just making that – I'm throwing that out there to just show how little – has been publicly said or done about the quarterback into the twenty twenty. Yeah, class. it's true. I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see why they're why they're not doing it because I'm told I'll understand. Okay, when it happens. So, Brock Vandegrift reclassified twenty twenty. That's what I'm ready to do. <laughs> it's like I am ready to hear your argument, sir. Please fill me in. <laughs> all right, man. Is there anything else we need to tackle? Anything else we need to? Not at all. Burma McCoy, I guess, is officially going to. USC. Bang bang, sixteen. Okay, let's. Uh, I don't know. That's what it's looking like. Le- man, uh, officially not yet, but he's he's he gone. He gone. I mean, uh, unless there's some sort of come to Jesus meeting with Tom Herman and Horace and Horace Jr. and the whole gang. But look, I continue to say this: that dude had a USC jersey in his closet. Yeah. All right. So it's not like this ain't left field. You know that. that this always felt like a dude that I really trust in recruiting and a guy that I talk to all the time and I really enjoy him and he's right like 100% of the time. This time last year, we're at the opening and Brew ain't, Brew ain't participating. It's like, so what's Brew going to do? Brew has been a USC commit since he was in diapers, bro. And I was like, all right, there, there you go. And yeah. then he did that, and then he went to Texas, and everybody's like, I don't know how this is going to go. And we see now this is gone. Dude should have just, yeah. you know, just go where your heart is. We know that the university and the program ain't where you want it yeah. to be, but obviously it's where you want it to be personally. It's kind of like Hazelwood whenever he, whenever he committed to Georgia, and everybody was like, uh, Oh, yeah. everybody, but, but people that actually knew the family and knew that situation was like, he is not going to <laughs> like, like there's no way he's sticking with Georgia. He will be a sooner at some point, at one point in time. And I kept telling everybody from the day that he came in, I said, I promise you, come to that next December, he will be going to Oklahoma. And then, you know, as I've talked to people behind the scenes at that point, they're like, they're trying to find a way to decommit, but they don't want to do it because the state is so diehard about the Bulldogs and they don't want the the you know, the backlash, public backlash. backlash. Yeah. So they waited yeah. and they waited long enough that everybody just kind of came. It became a foregone conclusion at that point that he was going to OU. Right. And so that, that's what happened. Right. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of the young and drunk podcast presented by OU insider.com. If you are not subscribed to OU insider.com, I need to ask you why, because you obviously enjoy this podcast. You obviously enjoy hearing what we have to say about, OU football and recruiting in particular. And we're talking about it all the time over at Insider. And you know what? There's some VIP notes over there that we didn't even get a chance to discuss here. So I don't know what you're doing. You need to rate and review this podcast on the iTunes. Uh, we are in the process of trying to get this over on Spotify. It's much more of a headache than you might think. But I, but that's on me. 
right? Just like uh, the sound and the audio also on me, but anybody who's been following the YouTube channel for any length of time knows that I am technically challenged in that front, but we do it anyway because we enjoy doing it and it's fun. Brandon is the man. I enjoy him. It's all banter. It's all love. That's my brother yes, over sir. there. You know what I mean? Come on, y'all. Stop, 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 stop arguing with us and <laughs> laugh with us. My God. All right, B, you got anything else you want to say, dog? Nah, man. We're good. Uh, hope everybody has a good Memorial Day. All right. Check it out on the flip side. Doses. Doses.